The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So today we move into the last of the mindfulness exercises for the body, with the body. There are six of these exercises. And um, so it starts with breathing, then with mindfulness of postures, mindfulness of activities, mindfulness of the parts of the body, mindfulness of the elements, the properties of the body. And then there's now um, the mindfulness of, or maybe we call it the corpse meditation. Reflection, consideration of the corpse. And this one um, <clears throat> begins with the words, as if. As if we're viewing a corpse. And so here we're calling upon the imagination. And now some Buddhists will go and spend time with corpses. So they, this uh, maranasati, mindfulness of death, is a time-honored practice in Buddhism. Most years before COVID, I take uh, people to anatomy lab to spend time with a corpse. It's fascinating to see a, be with a corpse, but to be with it in a, an anatomy lab where we're seeing a whole different perspective on life and the body and people. When I was a, a freshman in college, I took a drawing class and um, halfway through the class, the teacher took us to the anatomy lab of the university and um, there was a, we would go into the lab and there would be this, there was this person laid out who had died a corpse. And, um, and it, you know, it was the first time I've ever seen a corpse in that kind of detail and way. And, and we were supposed to draw it. And um, the first day, we were there two days. The first day I went, to, I drew the person's foot because that to me was the furthest I can get away from having to deal with this, this death. When I went back the next time, I realized what I'd done that I'd been avoiding. So I uh, then decided to draw the face to really kind of be there with it. The teacher explained that um, the reason he took his drawing classes to the anatomy lab is that after the visit, everyone's drawings would be stronger. I never uh, asked him what stronger meant, but apparently he appreciated somehow the Something shifted for people. And um, so this time-honored way of being reminded of our mortality, of being really kind of knowing that we're going to die, that, um, you know, it's easy when you're young to think, well, you know, operate as if, no, I'll never die, or I know I died, but it's irrelevant. And but to some point to really kind of consider and reflect and look death right in the eye and take it in and consider it for the purposes of becoming free in this life, for the purposes of somehow connecting to this lived experience of ours 
so that we can live in the midst of this lived life freely. The contemplation of death is not a glorification of death, but it's meant to be variety, do a variety of things. For different people, there's different benefits from contemplating death. And for some people, uh, it really, uh, and I think this is, it helps them to really show up and be really present in an acute way for this life. Like now's the time we have to be aware, to practice. Let's not put it off. In the Satipatthana Sutta, there is, um, um, you know, the direction the practice is going, each of these exercises, is to be able to very deeply settled, peaceful, undistracted, to be able to settle back and just observe things arise and pass away until observing arising and passing away of phenomena, the changing flow of experience, something inside lets go, the clinging and the grasping. So when the sutta introduces this corpse contemplation, um, we have to understand, I think it's good to understand that it's, it's for the purposes of this really getting concentrated and settled and, and uh, being able to observe in a deep way. So it's not meant to be disturbing, though it might initially be disturbing. It's meant to uh, develop concentration and a peacefulness. It doesn't work for everyone, but uh, knowing that that's the purpose. Then, so we orient ourselves around this contemplation uh, with that as kind of the North Star. So how is it we contemplate the corpse that supports this? Well, one clue is that uh, it is a little bit of a visualization, imagination, and it's maybe kind of compelling one. Rather than going and finding a real corpse to look at, um, it may be a little bit uh, less disturbing, less you know, challenging to imagine one if you could imagine it kind of lightly or in a way that's not so disturbing. Just imagine there's a corpse. And... Um, and then, um, and so for beginners, I think it's what's nice is to, uh, there's nine of these contemplations, but to start kind of in the middle and to comp- contemplate a skeleton. So if you come across, you know, they're in an anatomy lab or a museum or somewhere, a human uh, skeleton, to contemplate it. When I was practicing in Thailand, with a famous uh, teacher named Buddha Dasa, Ajahn Buddha Dasa. He had, um, mostly, he was really into uh, practicing outdoors and teaching outdoors. And, but because it rains there, he had a big, uh, he had a big um, uh, meditation hall, Dharma hall, that had open sides but had a roof to protect people from the rain. It was kind of a big, big, big building, big roofed area. And uh, in a respectful way, hanging from the rafters were a couple of skeletons. And one of them the, was um, had a sign under it. And under the sign, it said, Miss Thailand, 1936. So I imagine it's been up there for all those years for a good reason, for the Dharma Hall at place where teachings and meditation happens. And I suppose uh, it's to uh, remind people that any preoccupation with beauty 
is, you know, attachment to beauty, uh, physical beauty, and to identify with that and hold on to that and be preoccupied with that. Um, you know, it's only temporary. That underneath that and the end of that, there's the corpse, there's a skeleton. In what way is that not gross? In what way is it not disturbing? In what way can we contemplate that that skeleton in a way that's beneficial for us, that supports us on this path of freedom and liberation? It's easy to be disturbed. It's easy to protest. It can be much more difficult to put that aside gently, not rejecting it, but just putting aside if we want to benefit from these exercises. We don't benefit if we protest. We benefit if we do the inner work. Like, how is it that this can be helpful for me? So, um, the, uh, so the, the text begins um, as if one is viewing a corpse. And then it ends with, um, with uh, each, each of the nine contemplations. It ends... Um, with the reflecting, this body too has a nature like this, will become like this, will not avoid this. So in other words, the contemplation of a corpse is for the purpose to realize this will happen here to me. This too will happen. And in what way does this realization, this discovery, um, or taking this in, this, you know, true thing. In what way do we benefit from that? Where's the wisdom of that? How does that guide us in a good direction? How does it wake us up? How does it help us shed the distracted mind, the preoccupied mind, the mind that's involved in things that maybe are not really to our benefit? How does it create a kind of seriousness, a kind of aliveness, a kind of dedication, and in the context of this uh, meditation, how does it even create a kind of love for being present now? So that we can get really settled here, really clear that this is the place where the meditation is, in here, in the present moment, here and now. So... um, I'll describe more this uh, contemplation of the corpse later. Um, the, um, but for now, I'd like to encourage you to contemplate a corpse. I don't know about where you live, but around here, this last Halloween, there were uh, the population of skeletons increased dramatically. I've never seen so many Halloween skeletons, and some are still uh, hanging in different places and. The last one I saw a week or so ago was someone had outfitted the skeleton with um, climbing gear, mountain climbing gear, with shoes and belts and everything, and had it climbing uh, uh, underneath the eaves up onto the roof of their house. So all these fun things people are doing. But uh, maybe contemplate skeletons. Maybe consider your skeleton that now, right now is clothed with tendons and flesh and, and um, but consider that someday your skeleton uh, might be without flesh 
or some someday maybe your your skeleton will be all that's left in in terms of ashes if you get cremated and how, and how does you know you might consider this and think about it in a way but the exercise to do this is to consider in what way can you do this that's beneficial so you're not getting depressed or upset or horrified but rather in what way does this light some kind of greater present moment awareness, some ability to really, okay, here I am, no question about it. When there's a skeleton, there's no animated life, no awareness, no sensations, no nothing we see, nothing we hear. And how to rest in that, be free in that. So that's the homework, if you'd like to do it. And uh, then we'll continue this tomorrow. And uh, and uh, I placed in the in the underneath. If you're on YouTube, I placed underneath the um, the you know this you know the picture, the video in the description section of uh, YouTube. Underneath it, um, one of the contemplations. You can see the text of the skeleton one. And then finally, what I'd like to say is that, um, just uh, give you a heads up, since not everyone will maybe be here Friday, that next Monday, the 21st of February, uh, we, won't ha- we won't have the Monday uh, 7 a.m. YouTube. We'll take a break. Um, what you might do is uh, go back and redo, re-listen to and follow one of the previous um, videos on the Satipatthana Sutta. Kind of refresh yourself on some part of it. Maybe a part that was maybe more impactful. But I'm going away. I'm going to my father's 91st birthday. So I need to, I won't be able to be here that Monday, but I'll, I'll be back on Tuesday. So thank you. And um, I look forward to our time tomorrow. <laughs>